Hello there. You're listening to Always Be Watching. This is our regular look at what we've been watching. My name, Dan Barrett, joined by Chris Yates. Hi, Dan. Hi, Chris. Great to be here, as always. Greatest privilege or mine. <laughs> um, do you want me to do the setup? Can I do the setup this time? Yeah, all right. So, Dan and I have a podcast that you're listening to right now where we talk about the things that we've been watching on television or various other devices over the previous week. Uh, it's a weekly show. Uh, it reflects our friendship that we have where we only ever talk about things that we've been watching and very little else. Yeah. I think once you tried telling about a book you were reading. <laughs> I went to that again. It was a dark day. <laughs> I, I remember when I went to your wedding and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, congratulations. Hey, have you seen the latest episode? Of- <laughs> Did you even say congratulations? <laughs> I don't think so. I meant to, but it, I got caught up. No, exactly. There was a lot to talk about. There was a big moment. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I mean, you just finished watching a Simpsons episode. Uh, that was slightly better than it usually is. I had to like really, uh, yeah, I had to really You're bring like, it to you. Dan, the show's funny again. And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> no, not. No, it's not. Uh, so, yes, here we are. The uh, podcast is called Always Be Watching. You can visit alwaysbewatching.com um, if you want to re- learn more about us. I'm just, I'm trying to do this thing. This is normally what Dan does. I'm trying to mix it up. Yeah. Look, you're doing fine. Did I do all right? Yeah. So, uh, send us messages about what you've been watching. Get on our Facebook group community type thing. It's fantastic. Leave reviews of the podcast. Helps people find the show. That's right. That's Enough. all the business taken care of. Sorry, one more thing. Theme song by a little band called Vape Duds. Fantastic Sydney band. Check them out. Yeah. Big fans of those guys. Chris Yates. Yes. Let's kick this thing off. All right. Can I ask you first? Yeah, right. Let's do that. Hey, Dan, what have you been watching? Well, Chris, glad you asked. Here's the thing about this here podcast. We record these usually every once two weeks. Okay. We record one episode, two episodes, something. Quietly, we've recorded a whole bunch of them. <laughs> because as you're listening to this right now, I'm currently in Japan. You're having a great time. I'm having a grand time. Unless something sort of terrible happens to me. <laughs> in which case, the auto publishing will just keep on pushing these podcasts out. And people will be like... Why is this happening? We found out about that terrible incident he was in. Why is, Why is he making a podcast up? now? That's, Who's publishing these things? Doesn't seem appropriate. Doesn't seem appropriate at all. In theory, though, I'm having a grand time. Okay, currently doing all sorts of eating delicious Japanese foods. Yeah. Um, seeing amazing Japanese things. I'm going to an island where there'll be rabbits. It's a bunny island, Chris. It's sounds, a bunny island. Sounds so good. I'll be riding bikes through the you know countryside. I love riding a bike. Looking at temples. Love temples. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, probably watching crazy Japanese anime porn. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. sure that's you. You'll be definitely doing a lot of that. Anyway, so that's my four weeks of Japan. But I thought to myself before I went on this Japanese trip. So this is me from three weeks ago. Right. I'm yeah. so confused. That's a lot of time travel. I always lose my way with time travel stuff. I thought I'm going to throw myself deep into the culture. So I've been watching a whole bunch of Japanese movies lately and TV shows. Fantastic. And something that I've been mini watch for a while because I kept on hearing people talk it up. And I'm like, I'll get to it at some point. But I realize now's the time to watch it because you're in the Japanese immersion. I watched a little show called Terrace House, Opening New Doors. Oh my God, I love Terrace House. Chris, you love Terrace House? You know the show? Yes. Yeah, I've only seen the first episode because I thought, look, this is a reality show. I'm not going to dig this at all. How wrong I was. It's so good, right? I really enjoyed this first episode. I'm rushing home after this podcast, watching the other like 42 episodes or whatever it is (laughs) before I go on this Japanese trip. Could be a while. I just, yes, I noticed that it's been going since 2012, still going. Yeah, so the series that I'm talking about is Terrace House Opening New Doors 
which the is the most recent season of right, it, right. and the one that Netflix has come on as a co-producer of. Okay, I don't know if I've actually seen this. I know I've seen the original Terrace House. I don't know how different it is. So, from what I understand about the show, because I did a bit of wiki reading as I was watching the program, uh, much like a lot of these other reality shows, so probably, uh, what's the MTV one called? Uh, it, was, it was like the first show that signaled yeah. the decline of MTV. <laughs> um. I mean, it's certainly one way to look at it. I mean, it was probably the show that defined the MTV through the 90s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, House, something. Let me, I'm looking at it. I'm look it up. it up. I could usually just rattle this off. It's a lot of pressure. Real world, was that Real it? world. Yeah. And then I think they had real world house rules, which is like a game show sort of version of the real world. Which came to Australia. Really? Yes. Anyway, it's kind of like the real world where you've got a group of young people of whom have never met each other, all thrown into a house and then crazy shenanigans took place in a real <laughs> world. Not in Terrace House because it's Japan. So everyone's very polite and pleasant. And so it's a very lo-fi, low stakes drama of sorts. With six people? Yes. Yeah, six. Uh, three guys, three girls, each living together in this house and, you know, dealing with their lives and, you know, just talking about cultural things. So little happens and I find that just so comforting. In the first episode, they all meet in the house. They sit down at a table and discuss, like, where they're from and their ages because their ages was a big point of contention with them all. And then one of them had to go to work. So she went off. She works like in the evenings. Uh, she works at a gym. Okay. And while she was doing that, everyone else went to the grocery store. They bought some groceries. God, they so brought good. it home. They cooked them up. And then at nine o'clock, she came home and they're like, oh, she's like, have you guys already eaten? And they're like, yeah, we finished a moment ago. Just kidding. We were waiting for you. And then she sits down. And they will have a delicious meal together. It's just so beautiful. I love this show. It was so much fun. It's just, it, it's like, it's not only like um, a bit reassuring or something to watch this kind of stuff, but it just makes you feel like, um, you know, it's, it, <laughs> maybe everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Everything is going to be okay. <laughs> It's enough, yeah. yeah, like it's a nice change from the nihilism and the um, just horror of every other kind of thing that's on. And the thing is, there's nothing you can talk about with the show. No, like that's it. And, and it's one of the things that I just find so comforting and rewarding about it is that just like so little happens. Yeah. It's so good. But it's not boring either. Like that sounds... Nah, it does. It sounds nothing boring. Nothing happens. They sit down and they eat some dinner. But... It's compelling. Happen- the thing, though, is that it's actually broken up a little bit because it's not just the people in the house, but there's also a panel of people of whom are sitting around almost like the people in the house, but maybe a little bit more animated. And they're talking about what everyone in the house is doing. So in the season that I'm watching, which is opening new doors, uh, they've also got this 20-year-old pop star who's joined the panel. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so they're a little bit sort of ribald in a very sort of buttoned-up Japanese way. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, like they're just enthusiastic about what people are up to, who of them are going to get together and fall in love. It's not about hooking up. It's about who's going to fall in who's love. Who's going to fall in love. Oh, yeah. God, so beautiful. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. The Japanese do kind of, you know, flirt with this sort of style of storytelling in their drama as well. Very low stakes stuff like the um, Midnight Diner show, of which I'm also a very big fan. Have you seen this show? Look, I have. So this is actually based off a manga series, uh, which I'm going to try Midnight Diner is based off a manga series. Yeah. 
That's surprising to me. And that was uh, that was called uh, Shinya Shikudo. Yeah. Well respected manga. got turned into the series and the TV series is Midnight Diner, Tokyo Stories. Because there's one that actually came from China as well. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So, I, I, I guess, you know... Tokyo Stories is the better of the two. Yeah. And I guess manga is not all just what you think of when you think of the typical thing. I guess it's a little, there's a lot of different storytelling ideas explored. Oh, look, absolutely. There's actually an entire sort of genre of manga, which is talking about food and food preparation. I had no idea. I'm, I'm yeah. interested again. It was for the first time since I've been 19. I'm <laughs> once again interested again. No, that sounds fantastic. But I know why you've. I know why you love this show. It's just. It's yeah. such a great, fun, joyous watch. Oh look, absolutely. So if you haven't seen the program, give it a look. It probably isn't necessarily everyone's cup of tea. But I think you know if you latch into it, you're really going to latch into the show. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I, th- I think it's pretty appealing to a to a broad audience. I would argue. Yeah, and also gorgeously shot. It's just a phenomenal looking show. Yeah, and if you're suddenly just thinking about like American reality shows, like it's not that. Yeah, it just couldn't be further from it, could it? Yeah. Still, I'm surprised to hear this um, recommendation from you, Dan, and I'm impressed at the growth you've shown this week. Yeah. Look, I'm a very broad. <laughs> Uh, wait till you hear the next thing I'm going to be talking about anyway Chris that's Terrace House opening new doors currently streaming on Netflix but I'm sure you've been watching something as well and what may that have been well Dan I've been watching a uh, documentary series on Netflix called The Defiant Ones punch in a little bit later check 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 we're talking about Jimmy and Dr. J Jimmy Iovine is the levitator Dre is the innovator. I need something a little bit more impressive. So Netflix have been doing some real, very interesting documentary series, especially in regards to music. They've been taking uh, the sort of traditional idea of a music documentary that maybe goes for an hour and a half, two hours, and breaking it up over a four-part series, I think The Defiant Ones is. So, it's about a, so you sort of get a four-hour thing. There's no way you could sit and watch this thing as a four-hour documentary. No, interesting you call it a Netflix series because it's not. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's on Netflix in Australia here, but originally it was an HBO documentary series. Okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, especially considering the um, sort of scope of a lot of other HBO documentary series of recent times. The very short version of this is this documentary is about um, the uh, powerhouse duo of Dr. Dre and and Jimmy Iovine who um, got together and sold their um, headphones company and prototype streaming music streaming company to Apple um, for $3 billion. And of course, we're talking about Beats. The, yes, we're talking about Beats, the headphones, and Beats, the music, ser- the short-lived music service, uh, which nobody cared about and which no one was interested in and was doomed for failure until Apple needed some kind of infrastructure to try to um, take back control of the you know, music side of their company, which they had very, were very close to losing. Now, in part of this as well, and obviously I'm not really an insider at Apple, but I believe the general consensus is that for that $3 billion, they weren't just buying a well-regarded headphone company and its brand, but in a way they really were buying Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovini. Yeah, definitely. I think they wanted some kind of ambassadors to be uh, representative of 
their thing. Okay, so the so this is a very well made documentary. There's heaps of incredible footage, um, historical footage in it. Um, so it's looking at a lot of the rap scene. It it basically traces the beginning of um, the two of them as entrepreneurs and how they kind of um, work their way up through the through the ranks of their you know various sides of the tracks. Uh, you could almost say. So you've got um, Dr. Dre who started out as a uh, you know a rapper and a beat maker with a very um, you know a very local uh, LA based rap group and um, quickly ascended the heights to become a uh, you know one of the one of the biggest producers in the game and then you've got Jimmy Iovini who did the same thing where he started out as a uh, recording studio type um, I think he was an assistant engineer uh, who just had a blessed life who managed to like the first thing he ever worked on was uh, a John Lennon solo album and uh, things just kind of went that way for him for the rest of his time um, this documentary is very much presented as a kind of look at this a massive success that these two people achieved um, getting this selling this three billion dollars uh, worth of themselves and their company to Apple but it's hard to watch it and not think about how what it's actually very representative of is the current sort of state of the music industry where there's very few people who have made any kind of significant gains out of uh, the, the financial state of streaming. And it would be pretty hard to argue that anyone has done um, better out of it from a musician and producer's point of view than these guys getting their $3 billion. Um, so in some ways, it's kind of the story about how uh, they managed to uh, be in the right place at the right time to swindle or thieve $3 billion worth of money that probably should be going to the a legion of content creators that have made music for all these years who are now getting a pittance from Apple Music and other um, music providers. It is amazing they've like even passed $500 million, let alone <laughs> it's $3 just, billion. It's just insane. And it, it, it's... So it, you know, it's kind of like this relevatory thing. It's very much told in celebration of these amazing entrepreneurs, but you don't have to read too far between the lines before you realize this is clearly the start of things going horribly wrong. Um, the documentary itself is so well made. There's um, incredible footage. Jimmy Iovini had this kind of like very interesting approach to the music industry which was he became kind of the first person who would instead of just signing musical acts to his label eventually became interscope records as a subsidiary of one of the major labels instead of that he would sort of sign artists who already had a stable of artists underneath them so instead of having to like sign 10 artists he would sign somebody along well, i think one of the first ones was uh, trent reznor from nine inch nails so he signed nine inch nails but as a label i think it was even trent reznor who came to him with this idea as discussed you know he was like you could sign me and if you but you know he didn't he was getting everyone wanted to sign him and he said okay well you can sign me but you've got to sign my label and that's got all these other artists on it jimmy the brilliant man that he is who could see it as just another way to get out of more work basically he went like okay well i'll sign you and then that's 10 artists i've got instead of one one of those artists happened to be Marilyn Manson. He was massive, made a lot of money, and he just kept repeating this process down the track, which he eventually did with Dr. Dre. And so he signed up Dr. Dre. The first person Dr. Dre signed was Snoop Dogg, and um, Eminem, I think, came out of that as well. So it just obviously turned into this thing where... It sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's basically a pyramid scheme where Jimmy is very, very proud of this idea that basically... And I guess this is how it works in all walks of life. The, you know, the, the richer and more powerful he got, the less work he had to do. What you have to understand is it's not actually a pyramid scheme. It's a trapezoid. <laughs> is it? 
that, yeah, that's exactly right. So anyway, it's um, a fair. It, it's it's a really interesting look at like how the power, I guess, of the music industry is like can be monopolized by a very small amount of people, which is definitely not what they're trying to do in the documentary. There's heaps of amazing footage of like you know Fleetwood Mac in the early days, and like this kind of side by side versions of um the of the rap industry and this kind of like white rock industry happening at the same time where they converge. All very, all very good. Very, very interesting. Um, yes, and I, I would say a shocking display of uh, the concentration of wealth and power in our modern day. Yeah, so it sounds like it's got a lot more going on for it than most sort of rock documentaries. Definitely so. And I think, like, you know, uh, they're involved. Like, most rock documentaries, like, the highlight of all of them is seeing that producer at the table and he just, like, (laughs) moves the knobs down just to hear, like, that one channel or something. Yes, and that's, like, you know, pretty much my reason for living is watching these things, Dan. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so it it was really interesting to see something that sort of took it in such a different way. And I think, like, you know, it's obvious how it's it's also interesting to see how we've gotten to this point with popular music that we have yeah no that's awesome and so this is streaming on netflix yep so it's on netflix i think it's four episodes of about four hours worth all together and um yes very very interesting no, that sounds great i'm gonna give it a look before you do that dan would hmm. you be able to tell me what have you been watching look i can tell you what i've been watching but i technically haven't really been watching this as much as i was playing this are you familiar oh, with a little... Let's drop yourself in. Oh this is God. not going where you think it is. Oh, my God. Are you familiar with a little TV show called Jeopardy? Yes. Okay, so in the, I love Jeopardy. I think it is such a great format for a show. Can you try asking me that question, but in the style of a Jeopardy question? What was my exact question again? <laughs> are you familiar... Chris Yates, are you familiar with Jeopardy? Yes. What is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, yes, I am. I love it. I love the idea. Even though, of course, it's never been a big thing here, right? Well, certainly wasn't when we were growing up. No. So Channel 10 tried playing it for a couple of months, Lol. like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. yeah. Was it Grand Denya? I'm sure uh, it was No, Grand no. Like, it was uh, like the US version. Oh, right. There's never been a local version? No. I think there may have been a local version, but I'm not sure it was actually the Jeopardy format that we know it as. Mm. Maybe it was. I don't know. It was Tony Barber hosting it, whatever. <laughs> but it was well before my time. Sure. Anyway, I love the US Jeopardy. I think it's such a great format. I think it's smart. It actually asks the audience to, you know, have some actual general knowledge as opposed to like the who wants to be a millionaire style of you can guess between four options. Yeah. You know, it's an it's an elevated game show for us. <laughs> But anyway, love Jeopardy, and I was playing around with the, and bear in mind, this is an Australian podcast, but we try to talk about things from around the world. I was playing around in the US iTunes store. I don't believe this is in the Australian iTunes store, but they've got an app and it's called the Jeopardy World Tour. Mm. And so I'm like, Jeopardy app, I've got to give this a look. So I download it and then I load up the app on my Apple TV. It starts up, but then it's like, you've got to download an app on your phone. And I'm like, Ugh, this, <laughs> this is a lot yeah, of effort. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you lost I'm, me already. I'm not caring for this. So I had to download another app onto my phone. And then I had to sync up the two apps. There was like a code you had to put in. Mm. And I'm like, this is not going to be worth the investment. Chris, it's absolutely worth the investment. <laughs> so here's what happens. You load it up and I'm like, so it'll be like a dumb thing with like Alex Trebek or a cartoon, Alex Trebek. And it'll be like some text on the screen. This is going to be super lame. This is not super lame. This is so cool. So it's an episode of Jeopardy. They just pick a random episode of Jeopardy. Okay. And so you watch a full episode of Jeopardy, but you're playing along with it at home. So when you're sitting on the couch and you're yelling out answers, okay, you're not doing that on the, like with this app anymore. Rather, Alex Trebek, he'll ask the question 
And when he asks the question, you've got a button, and then there's three contestants on screen, because it's an episode from like eight years ago. So like one of them will press the thing, but it gives you enough time to go and press the button if you know the answer. So you can press the button, and then in the same way that they get, if it's like a $200 category or 300 they get that money, and you can answer it by speaking into your phone, and it'll recognize the voice text. It'll put it up, and then when it comes back, you could, like if one of the people have also pressed the button, you get whatever the money is that it's gone through. And you're not really engaging exactly with the people on screen, but it's a pretty good facsimile of it all. That is amazing. Yeah. The only problem is voice-to-text, it's not bad, but every so often you'll definitely have the right oh, answer. That would be frustrating. And it'll be something entirely different. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is a really interesting thing that they're using like old... You know, old content that they've already got. It's not like some brand new kind of like, they're not having to film it specifically for this. Is it a game? How how does this count? I mean, it's a game, essentially. uh, I guess it's a game. I mean, you're playing against the people on the screen. That is amazing. But yeah, so it's like, obviously it's monetized. So there's like free episodes you can do and play along with. But then if you want to go and play in like specific tournaments, because Jeopardy like themed weeks, whereas like college and like 80s and stuff, former champions will come back from specific decades and that sort of thing. So you can play against those. So you have to pay a little bit of cash to access like that bundle of episodes. How much cash have you spent on Jeopardy so far? Uh, Nothing yet. But this is only because I had a lot of Terrace House that was on my agenda <laughs> to get things to get through. But yeah, I'm very much into the Jeopardy. Wow, what a cool idea. Do you, can you think of other game shows where this could definitely be a uh, way to make them more interesting? I mean, <laughs> what other game shows are there? Yeah, I don't know. The yeah. price is right. I don't even really know anything about game shows. But I, mean, I know that The game show like I've always wanted idea. to compete in, yeah. I mean, Jeopardy aside, is Supermarket Sweep. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Does that still exist? Larry MD used to host that, I remember. Yeah, he hosts the Australian one. Uh, look, it doesn't exist. I don't know if they're doing it anywhere in the world at the moment. But on Amazon Prime Video, I think you can get in the Australian store. It's definitely in the US one. But you can watch old episodes of the US Supermarket Sweep. So, like, I was watching it, and the great thing with watching it was that it's 1991, let's say. Yep. Okay, so you got the 90s fashions, okay, but also you got the social politics of the moment as well. Yeah. So you'll see in the episode I watched, these two guys who are obviously a couple... Okay, but like they're just like good friends from college. Oh yeah, wow! Isn't yeah, that, and like that's not that long ago. No, and like the gentleman playing was a high camp individual. Yes, right. <laughs> there was no mistaking their relationship, but they're friends from college. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and I guess it has the extra challenge of having to guess what things would have cost in 1991. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, you have definitely surprised me there. I didn't know this even existed. Oh, nor did I until a few days ago. <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely keen to check it out. Yeah, definitely do so. Anyway, Chris, let's wind this out with the last thing you've been watching. All right, I'm going to be really quick. Uh, I've been watching a uh, new show by... Okay, so this is kind of another... I've got to have a little gripe again. Uh, there's a show on television called Sick of It, and it stars Carl Pilkington. Right, knob in a suit. You know why that is, don't you? It's because you're not comfortable in smart clothes. You never have been. I got a wild imaginary friend. Got a blockage. Just move about, twist about a bit. Left to right, left to right. Okay, Chris. Now, I'm sort of sighing again. Um... Uh, Run us through this. You it, seem like you're in an emotional state. In a previous episode, um, I definitely talked about Afterlife, the new Ricky Gervais show. 
and how it's kind of just like Ricky Gervais going through the motions of just being the jerk that he is, um, trying to fictionalize it a little bit with this concept, but it's all just stupid. So take that one further. Carl Pilkington was the was Ricky Gervais's punching bag on the podcast. I think was uh, where they first where he first came to prominence, um, and then uh, not content with making fun of him in that situation, he then turned to like he made the show An Idiot Abroad, which was about sending Carl Pilkington out into the world to explore stuff. It was funny because Carl Pilkington had never travelled anywhere, didn't want to travel anywhere, hated everything. Ricky kept putting him in these positions where it was just like, where he was obviously going to have a bad time. Uh, so he would complain about it because that's the thing that um, both Ricky and Stephen Merchant f- found obviously very hilarious was Carl complaining. So you take that to its ultimate conclusion and what you've got is Carl Pilkington acting alongside himself while himself complains to him about the things that he would probably normally just complain about in his head. Okay, so first of all, that sounds wildly confusing. (laughs) Secondly, is that the ultimate conclusion? Because I would have thought the ultimate conclusion is a member of the audience beating him to death. (laughs) It's just like... So it's like a sitcom, you know. It's a a single camera set up, you know. I I don't know exactly the premise. I watched one episode. The premise was just so ridiculous. I think his uncle had died or something. I think he's maybe he's a cab driver some kind of occupation where he's got an opportunity to complain a lot and um so you're highly invested <laughs> well here's another thing where it's like this is this is a i used to really enjoy watching this guy i used to think he was very funny um but you know you kind of get to the point where it's not only a one trick pony it's just kind of like not even a very good trick and yet they can keep kind of expanding it and making this like they keep investing more and more time and more and more energy into this guy who just complains and whinges about everything which sounds like it should be everything i like in the in in television but i've just found it very very hard to watch so we live in an era of netflix (laughs) having like a billion tv shows debuting every week yeah there's a whole bunch of u.s cable stuff coming the uk just keeps on pumping out just show after show you think about this sort of glut of content, but you also think about it in a British context where you've got these like very short-run TV series. Yeah. And they can often put out these short-run things where you've got a person of whom is fairly beloved, okay, just going around just interacting with the world. Like, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, things like, say, uh, Cle- Clever... Not Clever Man. Travel Man. Travel Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you've got... Uh, which is which is something I like probably should have talked about more because like instead it's of this show good. because it's something that I really enjoyed. But, yeah, but yeah. I'm thinking you can put this personality attached to it. Like this is all scripted. Scripted, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can sort of do this where you've got a person of whom the audience have an affinity for. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huge audience, but like the, it's, if you make it cheap enough and there's an audience for it, they can watch it. Is it just one of those where people like Carl Pilkinson and just want to experience that? I think So you know what you're in for when you sign up? Totally. And I guess that's why I sat down to watch it because I wasn't feeling very adventurous. I wanted something familiar. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. So in the context of what the British do with their TV shows, where they pump out so many of these shows purely for that, does it work on that level? Yeah, I guess. And they, I guess they tried to double down by putting two Carl Pilkingtons in it. Um, but is, that, I, is that too much, though, too many cooks? It was definitely too much. Like, I feel like that kind of really... Uh, you know, what could have just been a nice, simple story about himself, they kind of, like, ruined... Oh, not ruined it, but, like, just made it less useful by having this just stupid concept. It's just over-complicating the idea. Yeah, over-conceptualising it. And I think, you know, when the the BBC or whoever produces these shows, uh, I realise it's not all... Like, it's not a one-entity thing. There's different creators. (laughs) But when they go behind this kind of, like... um, 
idea of concept, it can either go very, very well, as it did in Peep Show, yep. or it can go <laughs> just Peep to show, the greatest show, show ever made. The greatest show ever yep. made. Uh, or it can go, or it can just like be a massive distraction from what you're trying to do, I think. And I think that's what's happened with this show. So, um, you know, if you're a Carl Pilkington diehard, which I'm sure a lot of people are, and which I would definitely have considered myself uh, a fan at some point, uh, you know, maybe you'll get something out of it. But otherwise... Jeez, it's just it made me feel kind of like sad for the state of. Um, I'm pretty. This is a new show. It only just um, started airing like the second half of last year, uh, so we're getting it pretty new out here. But I just sort of it made me a bit. It made me despair a little. It's time to kind of and, and made me feel like it's time to maybe you know start afresh. Now, where did you watch this? Uh, ABC uh, comedy. Um, oh, actually, I watched it on the iView, but I saw the um, relentless spots for it on the um, ABC Comedy Channel. So I went out, I, and I, you know, like there must have been, I must. There's something appealing about it that made me want to check it out, but um, I just didn't uh, enjoy it. So, if you are a Pilkington fan, yes, should you give it a look? Yes, I guess so. Um, but if you're not, if you're just looking for something like a nice little light-hearted romp. Uh, in the British style, definitely watch something else. Anything else, really. <laughs> like Peep Show. Yeah. Like, just watch Peep Show again, which is what I really regret that I didn't do. Look, that's fair enough. Okay, so... I think that brings us to the end. Yes, right. yes, that's that's the end. Um, a little bit a little bit of a negative end there. Um, there's a- Should we end on a high? Is it possible to do a musical number? <laughs> Let's play a clip from... Um, Peep Show? Peep Show, to finish it <laughs> off. Here we go. You dig in. What is it? Um, it's Moroccan, like my eyeshadow. It tastes like baked beans on spaghetti with lettuce. I'd hate to call you a racist at my dinner party, but I think it's a little more sophisticated than that. <clears throat> it's from the Atlas Mountains. This is a disaster. Joe thinks I'm an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I'm Paxman. To be honest, uh, I've never really got it about Jesus. I mean, apart from all the Christian stuff, what did Jesus actually do? What did Jesus do apart from Christianity? Yeah, put that aside. The moral universe we all live in. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just saying, you know, apart from that, what did he actually achieve? I'm not saying I like him, but at least Hitler did some paintings. That's much better. That's what I'm talking about. Look, that is the sorbet that has ended this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for dra- dragging us back out of the, the horror that I had um, crashed this thing into. It's okay. This is what the partnership's all about. <laughs> Chris Yates, it has been a pleasure as always. Absolutely, Dan. Yeah. If you like the podcast, leave reviews, tell your friends about it, sign up to the newsletter, alwaysbewatching.com. That's all you need to know. Yep. Yeah. More than enough information. Very much so. Uh, theme song by Vape Duds. Uh, Chris's outfit has been selected by the fine people of <laughs> the, the, the St. Vinny's down the road. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when I record the podcast, I'm kept at the Travel Lodge. I love staying at the Travel Lodge as well. Um, and we haven't been uh, recorded in front of a live studio audience. because Not yet. Who would pay for this? <laughs> we could just do it down the street. That's right. It doesn't have to. Yeah, free tickets. We just need microphones. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure to be here. Folks, we will see you next time. I've got some ramen to eat.